Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. It it actually means to bind back, and, and this is about bringing our attention and our awareness to uh, consciously rest in our essential spiritual nature, to be restored to our original wholeness. So yoga is abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization, not just knowing our spiritual nature intellectually, but experiencing it directly and living in harmony with it and in support of our ability to live in harmony with our uh, essential nature. Our topic today is divine fitness, the path of optimal health, peace of mind, and joyful living. We're going to look at how to unlock our healing potential through self-awareness and conscious living. And we're going to be looking at what um, has been called the sister sciences of Ayurveda and yoga, how they come together to provide a comprehensive map for optimal well-being physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Joining us today is Dr. Mark Halpern. He is the founder and president of the California College of Ayurveda. Is one of, he's one of the pioneers of Ayurveda in the West, and he is co-founder of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association, uh, NAMA, and also a co-founder of the California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine. Dr. Halpern has written extensively on Ayurveda, including two textbooks, numerous articles, 
And he has a recently published book for the layperson to introduce us to this healing um, methodology and way of living called Healing Your Life, Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda. In addition to his work with the California College of Ayurveda, Dr. Halpern is a certified yoga instructor and a regular teacher of Ayurveda at International Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Center's Worldwide, His website is ayurvedacollege.com. That's A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A college.com. Welcome, Dr. Halpern. I'm so delighted that you're joining us today on the Yoga Hour. Well, thank you, Ellen, for having me here, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. Well, before we um, begin our dialogue about the path of optimal health, let's take a moment just to center ourselves with a meditation. In this moment, we open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. One reality called by many names is the source of substance of all that is. So right where we are right now, we can become aware of this divine essence, being present as me, as you, as everyone, as everything, it's around us, it's between us, it's within us. So in this moment, simply use your intention and your breath to move your attention from the periphery of awareness into the depths. Breathing in, simply intend to pull your awareness within. Breathing out, just intend to let go of being involved with sensory phenomena or even the activities of thoughts in the mind. Just let them arise and pass of your breathing, feel the cool air as it enters your nostrils and feel the warm air as you exhale. And as we pause in this way, when our thoughts and feelings begin to settle, become aware of our essential nature, which is beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change and phenomena, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace emanates from this essence of our being and pervades the mental field, our emotional nature, and our physical Remember now to abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. We'll begin our conversation this morning about optimal fitness and taking a look um, just to add an overview of Ayurveda. 
uh, Ayurveda is a natural healing system, and it is recognized as one of the world's main medical systems by the World Health Organization. And although it dates back thousands of years as a traditional medicine of India, um, not everyone listening this morning may be familiar with it. So let's begin with some of the basics. Dr. Halpern, can you just give us an introduction? What is Ayurveda and how does it differ from conventional Western medicine? Well, Ayurveda is, as you mentioned, it's the uh, traditional medicine from India. And it is a form of medicine that is based on the idea that each of us is very unique, that we each have what we call our own constitution. And the constitution defines who you are and also how you relate to the world around you. And it's based on your constitution that it is determined what things in our environment are going to be harmonious for us and what are those things that are going to be disharmonious and cause disease. So Ayurveda is a science of living yoga. It's a science of living in the world in a manner that's harmonious, that brings about wholeness that brings about balance and harmony. Physical harmony is health. It's physical health. But when we live according to the principles of Ayurveda in the world, it also brings about mental health, mental harmony, peace of mind as well. So Ayurveda, as you mentioned, is a science that really leads to an integration of body, of mind, and of consciousness. It's often called the healing side of yoga, because the two sciences are so closely related together. Yoga is often referred to in Ayurveda as the spiritual side of Ayurveda. The path to yoga often leads an individual to wanting to to take care of their body so that they can continue their spiritual work in the world. And the path of Ayurveda often leads a person to yoga because they seek that deeper connection and the deeper unity that comes with the practices of yoga. So the two are really closely integrated together. And that was really my um, experience, you know, as you describe as a, as a longtime student of uh, Kriya Yoga, yoga philosophy and meditation, and even practitioner of Hatha Yoga. Um, it was natural to um, discover Ayurveda as a way, you know, for healthier living, um, how to learn more about, you know, tuning up the body-mind and, you know, how really to live in harmony um, with my spiritual nature. And, of course, Ayurveda and uh, yoga share the same... Um, system of uh, understanding the cosmos, you know, how how life uh, is manifest in the system of Samkhya. We have the same basis for looking at the nature of the mind, the nature of the body, and the manifestation process. So that makes it easy to take a look at the systems and um, how they work together. I think, you know, one of the main differences that we see in Ayurveda that is so helpful um, to us for um, because, you know, yoga, of course, tells us to experiment, you know, to work, uh, see what works. And Ayurveda is very this, much the same. And one of the great differences from Western medicine is that Ayurveda doesn't have a one-size-fits-all <laughs> philosophy. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, I like to say that nothing is right for everyone. Everything is right for someone. And Ayurveda is a path of understanding what's right for you. 
Mm-hmm. So some people thrive as uh, uh, on hot, spicy foods, and other people get burning indigestion. Some people thrive as a uh, vegetarian, and other people feel or look as though they're going to blow away in the wind because they're not well enough nourished. In Ayurveda, we say that nothing's right for everyone. Everything is right for someone. Based on an understanding of who you are as a unique individual, we can determine what type of foods, what type of colors, aromas, sounds, what kind of an environment is really going to bring you optimum health, bring you peace of mind. You'll never see an Ayurvedic practitioner saying the words, everybody must. Mm -hmm. If you hear an Ayurvedic practitioner say, everybody must, you know they're violating the first rule of Ayurveda, which is that we're all unique and our path toward optimum health is also unique. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, building blocks that, that we look at in the system of Ayurveda to help us determine our unique constitution and what would be the right environment um, for us. But, you know, it's a, it's a unique mix um, for everyone. Now, I, I mentioned the, the Samkhya system of philosophy that underlies yoga and also Ayurveda, and we find in that um, the the elements, you know, that are as the building blocks of creation, and of course these permeate the body and mind. And, and Ayurveda really takes this uh, model and gives us practical tools for understanding the element influences in everything, you know, in our body and what we eat. And so, how does Ayurveda do that with the elements and the doshas and uh, how does that help us understand our constitutions and how to stay healthy? Well, the five elements in Ayurveda are the building blocks of all of creation. So in Sankhya philosophy, there is the understanding that uh, we are all here for the purposes of having experience so that God or the divine can come to know itself through our experiences as the witness of our experiences. In order to allow us to have diverse experiences, we're all created uniquely. And so the way in which that creation forms is through the five elements. Now, the five elements are ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And each of these elements are symbols of physiological processes that happen in the body. So in a sense, each of us is made up of a unique balance of the five elements, and as such, each of us has our own unique physiology. For instance, the element air represents mobility. Each of us moves at a different pace. Each of our minds moves at a different pace. Some of us dart around the world very, very quickly, and some of us move more slowly. They're, that's based upon how we're, we're made up. With the element fire, fire represents the power of transformation. And in the body, the power of transformation is our metabolism, and it's our digestion where we metabolize food. Some of us have a lot of fire, and therefore we have a very strong metabolism. Some of us have a lower fire, and we metabolize things more slowly. Uh, water represents that which, uh, which nourishes us. It represents that which flows, and it represents that which holds on to things and clings on to things just like water would cling against a, uh, a leaf of a tree after it has rained. So 
some of us have a lot of water, and therefore we tend to have more attachments. We also tend to be more emotional and having deeper uh, feelings, and that goes along with holding on. And so, again, we see that we're all unique and different. Earth represents that which brings about our structure. Some of us have a lot of earth in our bodies, and we have thick, dense bones and thick, coarse hair, thick skin. And others have very, very little earth, and we have the opposite. We have thin skin, and we have thin, long, narrow bones. And, of course, you could look at that on the subtle aspect of our nature as well. If you have a lot of earth, you can probably stand up tall against the world. But if you don't have a lot of earth, you tend to be moved about by the world quite easily. You lose your sense of being grounded. And then there's ether. And ether is what gives us our sense of connectedness to all things. Ether is the most difficult to relate to because it's also the most subtle. We can relate to motion and we can relate to the heat of fire. We can relate to the flow of water and we can relate to the, the structure of earth. But ether is difficult because we can't really see it, we can't taste it, we can't uh, easily observe it. It's that quality that connects us to all things and gives us our sense of being a part of a community on the spiritual level. It's the quality of ether that gives us the broader spiritual connection. In the mind, ether is that which creates space for thought to move within And so it gives us more expansive thought, the more space we have in our minds. And in the body, ether makes the body more subtle, uh, more whispery. It makes the body uh, much more lighter and, and, and less observable. And so these are the five elements, and we are all made up of our own unique combination of those five elements. And no two people are created the same which is why no two people's experience of the world is going to be the same, and no two people are going to follow the same path in order to create harmony, health, and peace of mind. Now, the five elements also are the building blocks of all of nature. Everything in nature is made up of the five elements, and all of these qualities or energies interact with each other. Now, in our bodies... The three doshas are made up of these elements as well. The uh, elements air and ether make up the vata dosha. And so because they make up the vata dosha, the vata dosha is the combination of the qualities of space and the qualities of motion. And so a person with uh, a lot of vata in their nature will be, have a more expansive nature and also move about in the world very quickly. I like to liken a person of vata nature to a butterfly or a bumblebee. Butterflies flit about in the field, hovering over things, moving gracefully and beautifully like a dancer. And bumblebees dart from flower to flower, tasting all the nectar, not staying in one place for very long. And this represents a lot of the qualities of the vata dosha in the body. And and, we, uh, we, um, excuse me just a moment, Mar. We, we're going to go to break in just a moment. And so when we come back, let's look at um, the uh, pitta and kapha uh, 
doshas and um, talk about how this understanding that you've given us, this beautiful picture of the elements and the element influences, how we can understand how to practically use that to bring a balance for optimal health and well-being. You're listening to the Yoga Hour and our guest today is Dr. Mark Halpern and you can visit his website, ayurvedacollege.com. We'll be right back with you in just a moment. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. If you've tuned in for Touching the Stillness with host Reverend Paulette Pipe, then you know the power of her soul-stirring meditations. And if her programs leave you wanting more, you can purchase her meditation CD, Touching the Stillness, and you'll be able to take Paulette's calming voice along with you wherever you go. This enthralling CD contains three separate self-contained meditations that can either be listened to in one sitting or one at a time. Whatever your preference, Paulette's mesmerizing voice will transport you beyond thoughts and sounds to a sacred place of stillness and soul remembrance. So go ahead, enliven your meditation practice with the Touching the Stillness CD from Reverend Paulette Pipe and let the stillness touch you. To obtain your copy, go to www.unity.org and click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on shop. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all. A Cruise to the Caribbean, November 10th through 17th, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite host will be there, and we hope you join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, go to www.unity.fm slash cruise. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mark Halpern, author of Healing Your Life, Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda. And we're just finishing up our introduction to this overview of Ayurveda, and uh, Dr. Halpern was telling us about the three doshas 
So let's return to that, just finish that up before we take a look at the three fundamental causes of suffering and disease. So uh, we were talking about the vata dosha, which is uh, spelled V-A-T-A, vata. And the vata dosha, I said, was made up of air and ether. And so it has that lighter quality, more expansive quality, and more mobile quality. And people with a more vata nature express those qualities in their, in their makeup, in their constitution. The people of pitta nature predominantly uh, have more fire qualities within them. They tend to be more passionate. They tend to have strong digestion, strong metabolism, and their, their minds metabolize uh, information very, very quickly. Whereas I said that Bata individuals are more like bumblebees or butterflies. I like to think of pitta, people of Pitta nature to be more like the bull in the sense that a bull is focused and charges forward and moves toward its goal. And that's individuals of a Pitta nature. And then people of a Kapa nature are made up of earth and water. And so they have that quality of structure and stability, but also that deep sense of feeling inside of themselves that comes with the water. And so uh, people of Kappa nature, I like to think of them both as uh, turtles and as elephants. They're like turtles in that they move about the world slowly. They stick their head out of their shell and slowly turn to the left, slowly turn to the right, and observe the world around them, not necessarily feeling the urge to comment on their observations. They tend to speak slowly and be more internalized. And then again, they're also like the elephant in the sense that they have a large mass. Once they start moving in a particular direction, it's difficult to slow them down, and they move toward their goals in a very steady, slow manner. And so we're all unique. We all have our own unique balance of these three doshas. Some of us are 50% vata, 25% pitta, 25% kappa. And there's every combination and permutation of these three energies within us, which are really biological forces of physiology within us. So each of us has our own physiology, and each of us is going to find our own way in the world because of that. And you have uh, in your book, um, which is so um, (laughs) user-friendly, you have a lesson on knowing your constitution, um, so that a person reading your book can um, take a look at, you know, <clears throat> how do we um, pick up on these signals um, from vata, pitta, and kapha doshas? You know, what is it you have described? Many of them, but there are many, many more um, ways to determine these influences in your constitution. So that that's there uh, in the book, as well as then, you know, once you understand what your constitution is, um, you're better equipped to start um, taking a look at um, how to um, identify when your system is out of balance. You know, as you mentioned, uh, a person with a, a predominance of vata could be like a butterfly kind of flying from one thing to the next. And, um, and when that is out of balance, you know, we have that saying that, uh, you know, somebody's like an airhead, right? <laughs> you know, and, and that would... That would mean, you know, too much of that influence could cause a person to be spacey, um, you know, and not not grounded enough. And so, you know, each of the of the doshas um, 
can, you know, from time to time become imbalanced. And, um, you know, one of the ways that we encourage optimal health is learning how to recognize it. Well, first, you know, identifying our constitution, learning how to recognize when we're out of balance, and then learning how to find the balance. Um, and as you've said so skillfully, that, that is unique to our nature. Um, and, and so this is really the, the formula that Ayurveda gives us for, for health. And, and your book begins with such a clear and poignant teaching on the three fundamental causes of suffering and disease. And those you identify as misuse of the senses, failure of the intellect, and time. So we're going to talk about all of those three, um, but let's start with the first on your list as a misuse of the senses. Um, what is that, and why would it be a primary cause of disease or, or suffering? You know, Ellen, if we understand the cause of disease, then we also understand how to correct disease. Now, from an Ayurvedic perspective, all disease is caused by abnormal physiology in the body. You either have normal physiology, which brings about health, and you have abnormal physiology, which brings about disease. Now, Ayurveda understands that how our body functions, our, our physiology is dependent upon how we relate to our environment, and we relate to our environment through our five senses. So our five senses are like portals or gateways into our body, into our mind, and into our consciousness. If we take in through those five gateways those things that are harmonious for us, then they support our physiology and our body's going to be healthy. If we take in those things that are disharmonious, they disturb our physiology and we're going to experience symptoms of suffering. And those symptoms are really the body's way of communicating that you're living out of harmony with the world around you through the five senses. You've heard the old adage, you are what you eat, and Ayurveda would certainly agree with that. You take in food, you metabolize it, and it turns into your body. And depending upon the quality of the food you take in, it's going to determine the quality of the tissue that's produced in your body. But Ayurveda takes this a step further. It says you're not only what you eat. You're also what you smell. You are what you see. You are what you hear. And you are what you touch. And that through each of your senses, you're taking in qualities or impressions into your body that influence your physiology. And sometimes individuals have a hard time understanding that you can actually get sick from what you see. But it's easy to understand if you recognize what happens when somebody sees something that disgusts them. They have a physiological response in the body. And then they may vomit, they may get sick. And we can also understand that individuals who see horrific things, uh, such as our, our soldiers who go off to war, they come back with an alteration of their physiology that's difficult to rebalance because of what they've taken in through their eyes, because of what they've taken into our ears. Mm-hmm. And so each person is taking in impressions all the time through their five senses. And it's affecting the physiology of the body and the physiology of the mind. And it's either creating health or it's creating disease. So the goal of Ayurveda is to support individuals to create an optimum environment around them 
so that their bodies can function properly yeah. in many this, ways. Yeah, in, this uh, really in many great. ways, we're much like a plant. If a plant receives everything it needs, if it gets the proper soil, the proper sunlight, it gets the, the proper nourishment and water, then it's going to have a, a deep, rich color, and it's going to have lots of blossoms. And in many ways, we are exactly like that. If we receive everything we need through our five senses and we get the proper visual impressions and smells and foods and tastes, then we're going to have a deep, rich color as well, and we're going to fully blossom as human beings. We're going to reach our full potential physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that begins with creating a lifestyle through our five senses that's going to support who we are and who we are as unique individuals. Again, nothing is right for everyone. Everything is right for someone. And this um, philosophy of looking at, you know, what we take in, I think um, relates very well in the system of yoga and the yamas and niyamas. One of the niyamas is called saucha or um, purity or cleanliness. And it really has to do with our inner and outer environment, um, how we arrange conditions for optimal well-being, for peace of mind, healthy balance in the body. And I think um, important to, to note is that both in the systems of Ayurveda and yoga, we're not trying to create a spiritual condition, um, but we're really trying to create, as you mentioned, you know, with your analogy to the plant, we're trying to create optimal conditions for that um, which we already are to um, blossom and um, be revealed. And so... Um, paying attention to what we take in and how it influences the body and mind and whether or not it clouds um, our body-mind, making it more difficult for the soul light to shine or whether it um, helps to balance and purify in a way that that lets our um, essential radiance um, shine through. So that's really what purity is about in the yoga system, and it, and it does relate very well um, to what Ayurveda has to say about being conscious of how we're engaging the senses. And, you know, this, is, this can be so practical, you know, just... Just paying attention, for example, to what you're taking in if you turn on the news. You know, a lot of times there's so much um, sort of anger coming out of uh, things happening on talk shows. And, you know, that affects the the body and mind. So we want to pay attention um, to those things. And, and you mentioned, of course, that, you know, what we eat is important, but how we eat um, is vitally important as well. And you offer um, some guidelines in your book for conscious um, eating um, to help support uh, well-being. So let's take a look at, at those two. In fact, you, you offer 10 of them. So let's talk about a few of, of those, of how we can um, support our well-being through not only what we eat, but how we eat. Uh, yes, uh, and I think you made a very important point about the connection between uh, how we utilize our senses, including our sense of taste, and cleanliness, uh, saucha, in the yogic principles. And really everything that we do in Ayurveda is designed to, to 
help us to feel the connection that is always there to the divine, but it's many times the impurities that are within us that disturb the physiology of the body and make us sick and disturb the physiology of the mind and make it difficult for us to realize that connection. So Ayurveda as a lifestyle through your five senses supports an individual to achieve an awareness that is their true state of being. Now, now, thank you for the, emphasizing that because we, we asked the question, you know, what is purity? And Ayurveda really gives us such a practical model for beginning to understand, you know, using our understanding of the elements and the doshas, you know, what is the influence of what we're taking in on the, on the body and mind? And, and, you know, does it let our, um, essential nature, our, our soul light shine through? And will it allow that to to guide us, you know, or will it cloud it and make it more difficult for us to um, be in touch with? So um, I want to I want to come back to now to this thing about you know not only what we eat but how we eat. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, it's actually more important how we eat our food than it is what we eat, and I realize that that's difficult for a lot of people to understand. And I, I, I often will share with my students, and it's a, I, I, I intend to do this to shock the students a little bit into this understanding uh, that I'd rather see them eat a Big Mac properly at McDonald's than to sit down and have some rice and vegetable, or than to have some rice and vegetables in the car on the way to work. The question, really, from an Ayurvedic perspective, is which one are you going to digest better? and which is going to lead to, uh, to greater health. And if you eat even really high-quality food in the car on the way to work, where you're distracted, where your uh, energies are not uh, present with the food and with the eating, you're going to get indigestion. And if you were to sit down and eat a lower-quality food but eat it properly, you would actually have a better chance of properly digesting the lower-quality food and turning it into tissue in your body. So I've outlined uh, 10 guidelines to support healthy digestion, which is really supporting the purity in the body because when you do not digest your food properly, instead of producing healthy tissue, you produce in Ayurveda what we call ama or toxins that disturb the functioning of the body and the functioning of the mind. So the first one is to make sure that when you do eat, whatever you eat, Take it in a peaceful and beautiful environment. Don't take it in an environment that is loud, noisy, distracting, and agitating to your body and agitating to your mind. It's going to be difficult to focus on the food and to do simple things such as chewing your food well. If you're very distracted, how are you going to focus on the food in your mouth? And digestion begins with chewing your food properly. And so that's very, very important. Uh, if you don't chew your food, then all the enzymes down in your digestive system can't do their job as well. And in this, uh, in this uh, goal, in this desire to create a peaceful environment for proper digestion, it really begins with the frame of mind in which you take your food. So to bring yourself into the proper frame of mind, it's very, very helpful to go through a ritual 
of saying some form of grace before you eat. I liken it to opening the door into a temple as you walk into the temple. Saying grace is a way of opening up that door and then entering into a sacred space. And so there are many graces that individuals will use, and uh, I think it's important for each person to find that door for themselves and open it up in the way in which they feel comfortable, but that leads to a feeling of deeper connectedness before taking the food. Because you know that when we take in food, we're taking in the atoms and molecules and nutrients that are going to make up our new bodies. Our bodies, part of some of our cells are dying all the time, and new cells are being created from the atoms and molecules that we take in through our eating. And there's very little in the physical world that is as sacred as eating except perhaps breathing, because it's through eating and breathing that we take in that which we are going to become. So saying grace opens up the door to the sacred experience. Yeah, and a beautiful the, environment keeps the mind at peace as we take the food. And then and we the, should take food, trying that, to, to remain quiet and, and not being distracted. And the other things on your, on your list, which of course are in your book, are, are really similar in that they're, they're, they're just suggestions for how to eat consciously. And that's really the main point, um, because again, if we're not, then it's a misuse of the senses. Um, you know, we're just taking in a food without being conscious of it, which ultimately then burdens the body and the mind. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to take a look at the other two causes of disease and suffering and how we can overcome them. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to The Yoga Hour with our special guest, Dr. Mark Halpern. His website is arvedacollege.com, and we'll be right back with you. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Starting a business is a leap of faith. Growing a business is an act of courage. Staying true to your calling while navigating the challenges of business ownership is nothing short of a miracle. Whether you're a lifelong entrepreneur or you're just now getting the itch to hang up your shingle, 
the spiritual entrepreneur will help you create miracles in your business. Hosted by spiritual mentor and business coach, Mindy Odlin, you'll learn spiritually focused business strategies to help you experience prosperity from the inside out. Mark your calendar and join Mindy live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central for The Spiritual Entrepreneur, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is Dr. Mark Halpern, author of the new book, Healing Your Life Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda. So we're going to conclude with looking at um, what he has uh, identified in the opening of his book as the two other root causes of disease and suffering. We looked at misuse of the senses, and now let's examine what is meant by failure of the intellect and time. Um, Well, you know, Ellen, each of us knows many things that if we were to do them, that we would feel better. We've all listened to many health experts, and they've given us lots of advice. And and a lot of it is general, but it's also very, very good. Things maybe such as to exercise a little bit more or to eat more vegetables. Uh, We know many, many things that we, we could do to be well. And yet, in spite of that knowledge, sometimes we choose not to do those things that would lead us to the goals we say we want. We want to be healthier. We may want to lose weight. We may want to uh, have greater peace of mind. And yet, we find it difficult to do those things. That's an example of the failure of the intellect. Many of your listeners know that if you were to wake up in the morning and spend time in meditation and with yogic practices, that the rest of your day would go better. And probably sometimes... A few of your audience members might not do that every day. And so that's, again, a failure of the intellect. And so knowledge alone is not enough to bring about health and well-being. We have to to be able to make the decisions that are going to lead us to being healthy. And Ayurveda and yoga teach that to make decisions, we have two different faculties within us that are communicating to our intellect. One of those is our senses. And our senses are interested in that which is going to bring about the greatest pleasure and the avoidance of the greatest pain. And its interest is in the right now. Right now, I'm going to make the choice that's going to bring about greater pleasure. The other part of ourselves, which you can call our soul, you can call it that part of yourself that is connected to that which is greater than your yourself, that higher self, has a different interest. Its interest is not in the pursuit of pleasure. Its interest really is in the pursuit of liberation. Its interest is also in the pursuit of harmony. Its interest is in the pursuit of peace. Those things that are more lasting, those things that bring about sustainable, blissful experiences in life. 
And so we have these two facets of ourselves communicating with our intellect. And usually we listen to our senses rather than to our soul because our senses speak very, very loudly. It's as though they're throwing a party for us all the time. And they speak so loudly that most of us very, very rarely hear the whispers of our soul, whispers of our higher self. And therefore, we make the only decisions that we can make with the information we have. And given the choice between staying up late and partying or going to bed earlier so that we can get up and meditate, we choose to stay up late too often. That's an example of the failure of the intellect, and then it makes it difficult to wake up in the morning and to meditate. So it's very important to learn how to listen to the soul's voice, to learn how to listen to that quiet place. And our ability to listen comes about in two basic ways. One is through, of course, the practices of yoga, which are designed to calm the mind, to quiet the mind so that we can hear that deep inner voice that empowers us to become the master of our senses rather than the slave. But the other way is through a harmonious lifestyle. And only through a harmonious lifestyle can we hear the soul's voice at any time during the day. So that listening and living according to higher principles becomes a way of being, not just something we get a glimpse into through the practice of sitting and meditating. In that sense, Ayurveda could be called the meditation of daily living. Exactly, and the the practice, of course, of meditation and uh, right living, learning how you know what to eat and how to eat in the proper way, and all the ways in which we uh, really purify the senses. Um, both those tracks, uh, meditation and uh, right living, in that sense, help to purify the intellect, um, because the intellect is a component of the mental field and um, it can be um, bright and shining or it can be clouded as well Um, and so the way that we live influences the ability of the intellect as you have described it being being able to um, receive um, messages from uh, our our essential self our higher self or from uh, the senses as well so um, it's important to understand that these practices can help um, purify the mind, purify the intellect, and help us be able to receive um, knowledge and then, of course, be um, clearer about acting on it. And um, before we run out of time, let's take a moment just to, to hear from you about time as a factor um, in uh, disease and suffering. What what do you mean by that? In, in you know, in one minute, Mark, <laughs> tell us about time. <laughs> all right. Um, well, you know, we are all affected by time. Time is going to catch up with all of us, and it's time that causes our bodies ultimately to break down. However, in Ayurveda, we understand that time is related to motion, and that the faster you move about in the world, and the faster your mind moves then the faster your body ages and begins to break down. So an important part of Ayurveda is to learn to slow down, to slow down the body and also to slow down the mind. And it's really through this third cause of disease that Ayurveda and yoga truly come together as one science. Only when we slow down can we have optimum physiology in the body. 
Can we have optimum physiology in the mind? And can we become clear enough to remember our true nature? And our true nature is that of spirit. And that in Ayurveda is considered to be the primordial cause of all disease. It's because we forget our true nature of spirit that we get caught up in the dramas of life and the mind begins to move. We have a difficult time hearing our inner uh, soul's voice and we make poor decisions and our intellect fails and those decisions lead us to misuse our senses and ultimately disturb the doshas which cause disease in the body and the mind. That is a beautiful, uh, concise explanation. And, and of course, uh, yoga and Ayurveda agree on this uh, misunderstanding or misidentification of who we really are as the primal cause of all suffering. And so being able to um, understand that, um, to clear it up, having ways to purify the body and mind um, to allow us to experience directly our essential nature and then live in accordance with it. Um, it's really been a joy to share this yoga hour with you this morning, Mark, and I, I want to again um, point our listeners to your book, Healing Your Life, Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda. Let you know that um, let listeners know that they can find out more about your work and your publications by visiting your website, Ayurveda College. Dot com, A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A, AyurvedaCollege.com. Thank you for um, being with me this morning. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you very much. And uh, I wish for you and for all of your listeners, uh, uh, listeners optimal health and peace of mind. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste, and I want to invite um, our listeners to join in next week for a program on Patanjali's step-by-step approach to spiritual realization and conscious living with special guest Dr. Christopher Key Chapel. For more information about upcoming programs at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, you can visit our website at csecenter.org. And um, when you're there, remember to take a look. There's a button on the website about the upcoming Kriya Yoga Congress that will be in March of uh, next year. But it's time to start planning now. Registrations are now open for the Kriya Yoga Congress with Roy Eugene Davis. Dr. Christopher Key Chapel will be joining us um, for that and, um, and other uh, teachers as well. So I look forward to being with you next time. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org
Good parenting doesn't happen by default. It's intentional. It's a decision about who you'll be and what you'll do in your family life. Join your hosts, Reverends Jennifer and Ogan Holder, each week for Unity Family Matters as they guide you on a spiritual journey, creating conscious family life. Experience the light side of parenting, realizing your divine identity while raising your children to know they are the light of God. Gain insights based on unity principles. Talk with today's prominent experts in spiritual parenting and address your questions and comments from spiritual perspectives. Unity Family Matters. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. 
Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology. Available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo, each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 